0: My wife and I both work for Crew. It used to be Campus Your Savior Christ. Um, we work in the faculty ministry of Crew, and, and we've really enjoyed our time here in Calvary all the years. And one thing I do every year is I read through the Bible. It's one of my disciplines of life I've been doing. So every year I read the Bible cover to cover. This is my 29th year of reading through the Bible. So um, I really like it. And so it's not a burden. I really enjoy it. In fact, I blog about it um, a year or so ago, I started a blog. I blog about something I read every day, small or big or whatever. Um, there's that if you want to check it out sometime. But I enjoy, I enjoy reading the scripture because it's filled with people. Um, the Bible is a wonderful book because it's filled with people. It has things we should do and not doing that kind of thing, but a story after story of people. And I really love that. And we're going to look at one life today, um, a gentleman named Caleb, and we're going to look at his life. We're going to kind of trace it through Scripture. We're going to read some passages and look at, at examples or challenges to his faith that are similar or the same that we deal with today. We're going to do a little biography of, of uh, Caleb. And Caleb really shows us, I think his faith really shows us more about who our faith is for. Things we face, but the things our faith is for. So we're going to jump in. And I'll read some things. This first passage is the longest, and then they won't be as long, but I'll read some things. And we're jumping in with Caleb, and he's addressing the nation on the verge of a riot. So read this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and, they, and we looked the same to them. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, our subject, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. So here we meet Caleb. He's a a young leader. He's a spy. He gives his report. He pushes hard for the Lord and he's about to get stoned. Not in the Boulder, Colorado sense of getting stoned, (laughs) but in the get hit with rocks until dead, stoned, right? Um, And here's the first test of faith Caleb faced, and that we face in similar ways. I call it adversity. You could call it opposition. Um, You could call it a variety of different things, but it's a a in-your-face type of opposition. It's when you communicate your faith or live your faith and you're opposed to it. People push back against you. Adversity. I uh, I think of experiences I had as a college student, University of Missouri. I was a biology major and talked about my faith and my fellow young scientists really pushed back. You can't believe that and believe in science. The two don't go together. We argued about that kind of thing. There's a young staff member with Campus Crusade talking to uh, students and being being argued with and, and, and uh, yelled at for f- issues of faith. That's adversity. So my question for you is this. It's simple. Um, where might you be facing adversity? Where, where are you facing that kind of situation? Or perhaps the flip side may be um, uh, more what you're dealing with. Where, where are you hiding so you don't have to face that kind of situation. Where's the Lord placed you where you're trying to stand firm or where do you not need to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus and, and face some of this adversity? Part of, part of the challenge of faith. Often, I've noticed this over the years, often this challenge comes when you're young in the faith, when we're young in our faith, or we're in a place we've never identified ourselves as a believer and we, we begin to do that, and we face that. Well, on with a biogra- biography. As you know, the, the Lord was displeased with the children of Israel because of the rejection of His promise. And here's the Lord speaking to the, to the nation. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census, and it was grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land, I swore, with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it's like to have me against you. They will meet their end in this wilderness, and here they will die. Yeah, scary passage if you're listening. Think about Caleb listening to that, though. Caleb's hearing this. Caleb wholeheartedly followed the Lord, every, every bit. And what does Caleb get as a result? What's his reward? He goes out with these guys, he goes out in the wilderness. You know, I think he could have gotten a little bungalow by the river or something, right, to spend his 40 years. But he's out with this group, and he's walking through the desert with them. He's chasing sheep with them. He's picking up manna with them. He's going to a lot of funerals over those 40 years. His whole generation passes. And Caleb, Caleb faces what I, what I call the next challenge of faith is time. It's a challenge of time. And maybe, maybe not maybe for us, I think for us Um, time is the biggest challenge to our faith. Keeping your faith over time, over a lifetime. There are a lot of things in life that sneak in and start to erode your faith. There's tragic things that happen. Houses burn down. Floods devastate cities in our community. Um, A gunman walks into a grocery store and randomly shoots people. These things drag at our faith, and over time, they accumulate. Or maybe it's things more personal. um, You've been wanting the Lord to provide something that you're not seeing. Maybe it's something with career. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's health. There are things you want from the Lord, and you're not seeing it. Over time, that drags on and erodes our faith. So one reason it's good you're in this room, because to deal with that, we need to be around each other, one reason it's great if you're in a small group or life group or something that you're with fellow believers. It helps us in this period of long periods of time. I've worked along several uh, ministry leaders over the years who've succumbed to the pressures of the world over time. Some simply got tired of the boundaries of morality. You know, the Christian faith has boundaries and ways to live life, and some decided they were done with that. Um, Others bought into desires, I would say bought into desires more than they wrestled with doubts, and sometimes we do that. Their obedience, trust faded over time. Our our faith's been described as a long obedience in the same direction, and that's really true. Caleb persevered, and there's a lot to be said for perseverance. So my question for you is this, just to think about, where is it difficult to persevere in your world? Where do you find it difficult to persevere? Where um, is your faith waning? Are there things that may bring a doubt to your faith and have you wrestled with them? Where's that bone-on-bone bone rub, perhaps, of your character because you're, you're looking at things that erode your faith? Where are you vulnerable? So time, time, such a challenge to our faith. Well, let's go on with the story because uh, we're skipping ahead 40 years, a lot of time, and we're going to pick back up with Caleb, and he's going in to meet with his friend Joshua. And here's what he says So here here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that, that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So here's Caleb. He goes in to see Joshua. They're, they're entering the land, and he's, he's like, you know, come get you some, Joshua. I got it going on. I'm Southern. That's kind of a Southern. You guys know that. You know what it means, right? It means come, uh, let's have a fight. Right? Okay. Okay. So he says, come get you some, Joshua. I'm, I'm ready for you. And Joshua, of course, uh, sends him on. He thinks that's awesome. And so here's the third challenge or test of faith that I see in Caleb's life, and that's a test or challenge of opportunity. I call this opportunity. Um, it's a different sort of challenge. It's stepping out of perhaps of security, perhaps of comfort, perhaps of some of the gain you have in life, and it's trusting the Lord to step out again. What do you have? What do you have to step out and trust Him for once more? Um, do you have the faith? The faith to put your past gains on the line and trust the Lord? Challenging choir, it requires taking the initiative and looking for opportunities. We have two friends, my wife and I have two friends that are, that are our age. Um, I'm 60, my wife is much younger, um, and they're, they're actually just left to go to Malaysia to serve. Um, um, they oversee missionaries in Malaysia, they've done this for a long time, they came back to the States, they settled, but the Lord put a new opportunity in front of their life and they just left, they've just gone. The opportunity, opportunity to follow the, the Lord. So that's my question for you. Uh, What opportunities does the Lord seem to be laying before you? Are there friends or family or coworkers that you can influence with your faith? Um, Might you go do something? Might you do a mission? Um, Are there volunteer opportunities in our community that are fresh for you that you could really engage with? Um, Opportunity, opportunity to trust the Lord and pursue our faith. Well, Caleb keeps going. Our story keeps going as you follow through the scriptures. And uh, we notice he goes into the land and starts taking territory. And we pick it up here. Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage. I'll mispronounce all the names, by the way. Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath-sephir. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him in marriage. Okay, so... An orthodox strategy, for sure, right? It's one reason you read the Bible, because it's full of this kind of stuff. An Orthodox strategy. So you're probably thinking that, and you're probably figuring out that, okay, Axa's daughter, Othniel, um, nephew, these are cousins that got married, right? Um, but, you know, I'm from the Ozarks, so not a deal breaker. <laughs> not a deal breaker at all. And so um, here's the fourth challenge of faith that I see, I see Caleb, Meeting here, and that's the challenge of influence. This idea of, of influence. Um, take take a closer look look at Othniel. So he's uh, he steps up. Caleb lets Othniel step up into his promise that the Lord has given him. And you think about Othniel. He was he was likely born in the desert. His father Kenaz died in the desert. Uh, his father wouldn't go on the land. So what kind of uh, feelings or shame went with that? Um, Uncle Caleb was a hero. You know, his Uncle Caleb was, was friends with Moses and friends with Joshua. His Uncle Caleb was a spy in the land and has seen the promised land. He grew up hearing these stories. He grew up looking up to his uncle's story, his, his, uncle's, his uncle Caleb. I think he jumped at the chance to please and impress Caleb when this came along. And what's Caleb doing? I see What I see Caleb doing is helping others prosper, helping others prosper here at the end of his life. You might think about the fact that uh, the offer seems you know odd to us, but Caleb had some things in mind. He, he At that point of time, you arranged marriages for people in their community. So Caleb ensures his daughter is married to a really strong leader. So he's thinking about his daughter as he does this. He's thinking about the children that will come from that, uh, from that match. Caleb was also the leader of a tribe, the tribe of Judah. He's leading that tribe into the promised land, and he wants to leave the tribe in good hands. So he's developing leaders to lead his tribe. So he's helping his daughter, his grandchildren, his tribe prosper in the future by this type of of decision. I don't believe it was random, random at all. Helping others prosper. So that's my question for you. Who's around you? Who can you help prosper? With your goods and life, and the words privilege is used a lot in our culture, but who who can you help prosper? That's really using what you have to help others. So, a review four challenges of faith I see in Caleb. One is adversity, that's the conflict in your face type of faith. One is time, the simple perseverance it takes to continue walking with the Lord. One is opportunity. Will you lay some of the things you have on the line again? And trust the Lord and one his influence, who's coming or following after you. And throughout his life, you see in these passages, Caleb continuing to refer to the Lord. My faith is in the Lord. The Lord told me this. I'll follow the Lord in this way. We see the Lord's hand all the way through and his faith that way. Well, there's a little more, there's a little more to the story. And um, as you know, the people of Israel moving the land, their children start to fall away from the Lord. And their grandchildren are worse. And within a generation, they've, they've moved away from the Lord. Let me read this. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, including Caleb. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forsook the Lord who had brought them out of Egypt. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of Cush and rishathaim king of Aram Naharim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. So the cycle of judges begins soon after the death of this generation. The people rebel against the Lord. The Lord puts them under kings of different nations to punish them. The people appeal to the Lord. The Lord raises up a judge. And that's the book of Judges in your Old Testament. So let's meet the first judge. But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The spirit of the Lord came on him, so he became Israel's judge, and he went to war. The Lord gave Cush, the king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. So land had peace for 40 years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. Remember that little boy in the desert? Grew up at his, ankles, his uncle's knee. Here he is, the first judge of Israel. Look at the parallels. Uh, Othniel risked his life to take the land back again that he had taken once before with his uncle. Othniel persevered 40 years. If you you do the math, it's almost exactly 40 years while these generations fell away uh, from the Lord. And he came back and trusted the Lord in the midst of that generation. Othniel acted in faith when everything was on the line, and Othniel trusted the Lord to uh, to to lead him as he rebelled against this foreign king, I think leg, Caleb's legacy of faith has way less to do with the hill country that was so important to him than it did with Othniel and the others that that followed. Um, and here's an important truth from um, from that um, that that I see in this is that Caleb's. Faith, the most, the most important thing I pull out is, is your faith is not only for yourselves. That's what I see in Caleb. Your faith is not only for yourselves. Your faith expands beyond that. Um, so you ask, who does our faith serve? I think it, it serves three groups of people. Our faith serves yourself, of course. It serves those around you. And it serves those who come after you. Three lessons from Caleb. It serves your, yourself those around you, and those who come after you. Okay, let me close with this story that, that's similar to this. Years ago in, um, in Indiana, northern Indiana, a woman named Alma um, was a church treasurer. Now, Alma had um, interesting background. She was, uh, had been married and her husband left her. Um, her husband apparently had several wives she found out later, um, and she had one teenage daughter. So she had moved back to her home um, town in northern Indiana and working and also serving as a church treasurer. The church, small little church, met in a one-room one room, um, um, building, decided they wanted to build something bigger, a, little, a, a bigger church. So, so Alma's a part of this building campaign. And so the elders have a building campaign. This is what's cool about Alma. The elders had a building campaign campaign going, and it was going too slow for Alma. So she started her own building campaign to go alongside. So she started selling baked goods and getting other women to do it. And I think they cleaned houses and they did stuff like this to add to the, uh, to add to the building fund. So eventually they merged both the funds together, um, Alma and, her and the, the elders, um, and, and build this little, build this little church. And Alma is super excited to be there. She helps, of course, set it up and clean and 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 develop this. And she enjoyed it for about a year or two before she was killed, tragically killed in a car wreck in Indianapolis. Um, Alma's daughter, who her one child, uh, grew up, married married a man and moved away. They moved away from Indiana. Indiana, in many ways, they moved away from the faith that was so important to Alma. They moved, they raised a couple daughters um, also away from that faith while the, you know, the church went on in the cornfield. Well, if, well, several years later, the, youngest, the younger of the two granddaughters, these are Alma's two granddaughters, the younger of the granddaughter through a set of circumstances and a wonderful young life leader uh, came to Christ. And she started to grow in her faith. Her sister, the older granddaughter, would have none of it. She mocked her. She made fun of her. Remember the first point of adversity and people in your face? It was that sort of situation. She wanted nothing to do with religion. She was smart. She was pretty. She had things to do in in life, and Christianity didn't appeal to her. Well, a couple more years later, fast forward, uh, headed into college, both young ladies, and the older granddaughter starts to meet some Christian friends, and they start to talk to her about faith, and they start to challenge her, and And she 's smart, but they're smart, so that makes her wrestle and and she watches her sister 's life and sees changes in her life that she can't explain and so this older granddaughter starts to wrestle, wrestle with this god stuff and the things she 's seeing around her well at the same time or at the same time, <clears throat> they go to a family reunion back in Indiana that summer, the whole family goes back so Family from all over the country come to the home place in, in uh, northern Indiana. And, and part of, you know, corn's high. It's a good time to go home. So the, the, the part of the reunion is to come and go to church together. They go to this little rock church that Alma built. Um, and they all show up sitting in, you know, multiple pews. The church is probably as big as this little center section um, and seats that many people. So they're in church and, and the younger granddaughters back here and the older granddaughters sitting up here. And the pastor gets up and says, to start the sermon, sermon he says, um, this has never happened to me before, but the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and asked me, and told me, didn't ask me, told me to preach a different sermon. He goes, I don't know who this is for, but here goes. And he preached a gospel-centered, here's how you come to faith in Christ sermon, the older grand, the younger granddaughter sitting here, the older granddaughter sitting here, the older granddaughter starts to shake, physically shake. She can't keep her hands from shaking. When the sermon ends, she ran out of the, she didn't run up front, <laughs> you did an altar call, she ran out the back um, the other way. But a few days later, she gave her life to Christ, fully and uh, all in type of conversion. So think about that for a minute. Alma, Alma, I'll try not to choke up when I share this part. Um, Alma never knew her, her, these two granddaughters. They had, she had died well before they were born. Um, Alma, Alma had, for some reason, felt compelled to build this church. She was driven to build this church because she wanted people to come to faith in Jesus in her church. And she never knew that, she never understood or had no way of understanding that 30 some years later, one of her granddaughters would do just that. Without it, without, and her granddaughter, no, to, to the granddaughter's alma was an image in a black and white photo, nothing more than that. Well, the, the, um, the um, granddaughters from that point have continued to grow in their faith. Both, both granddaughters, the, oldest, the older granddaughter, um, now teaches uh, at a Christian college. Um, the younger grand, the younger granddaughter's been a missionary for most of her career, and also my wife. She's she's down here crying, which is why I'm trying not to cry. Um, <laughs> actually, I told her to sit in back after the first service, but she stayed. Um, uh, and her, actually, both daughters helped pull their mother back toward the faith, and she's she's really walking with the Lord today. Alma has five living great-grandchildren who are all trying to walk the Lord, doing the best they can. And she has five great-great-grandchildren all being raised to walk the Lord. So you see one lady, one single mother whose husband left her, who died young, and yet you see her faith now um, cascading down through four generations, at least four generations. So Who benefits from your faith? Who is your faith for? It's for yourself. It's for those around you. And it's for those who come after you. Let me pray. Close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Caleb and for his faith and his journey that we can learn from and um, perhaps apply to our life. And Lord, we thank you for Alma, for her faith that was uh, fervent. but also um, unknown for so long. But we saw how you used her and worked her in life and for her generations that followed. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room that we would consider how you would continue to use us uh, and put us in um, places of service to you. And so we just lift this time up to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.